Croiso and welcome to the Welsh Music Podcast. How you doing, boys? It feels like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I know it's been a bit sort of Groundhog Day, deja vu for the last few weeks, months, years. But um, I had my jab yeah. yesterday. <laughs> I feel like sun's How out. Deeth Gwenna, boys. Fantastic. How are you feeling? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I didn't get the fever or the shivers that I was expecting to get from the sort of horror stories that was keeping me awake at night, but I just a dead arm, mate. It feels like you're playing armies in school when you get smashed in the arm and get dead arm. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, um, the, 5G, the 5G connection on this uh, stream is amazing, boys. <laughs> it is no buffering whatsoever. No buffering at all, mate. Well, well, I say that. I haven't had my jab yet, but it must be good your end, yeah. All right, Neil. You, um, you, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I had mine weeks ago because I'm an old bastard. Can we swear? Oh, I just did. Sorry. Of course you Sorry. can, mate. Yeah, of course I, you can. I'm very, I'm very excited today, mate. Very excited. Because, um, here we go, my oh, amazing Euro 2020 Tournament Edition Panini stickers. Oh, man, I'm jealous of oh, that. Uh, the listeners can't see this, but I'm holding up my box of 100 stickers. Yeah, so what if I'm 52 and I'm collecting <laughs> stickers? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's just so nice to have, like, the whale shiny, isn't it? Oh, well, once you spend decades seeing whales miss out on major European tournaments or uh, international tournaments, you've got to make the most of it, because who knows when it's going to happen again. So, you know, oh, absolutely. How, how, many, um, how many stickers must that whale shiny be worth in swapsies? It must be worse than two. Oh, at least, at least, I'd say. At least, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On that, but, but the best thing is my daughter's got into it. Oh, with thanks. no sort of pushing on my behalf. So, you know, my heart swelled with pride when she was sat there, uh, you know, vainly trying to put a sticker in straight, much to the frustration <laughs> of her old man. <laughs> who was saying, not like that, not like that. Needs to be straight. <laughs> uh, and Cuffy, I understand you, you've had something beautiful through the post as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, it did, mate. Um, so in celebration of um, Chris Gunter's oh, uh, 100 caps for Wales, I think the first male Wales player to get 100 caps, which is astonishing yeah. really, isn't it? Um, I think yeah. Owen Von Williams was commissioned by the FAW to um, create a, a painting of um, his famous chin-up moment, maybe the, se- the, the second most famous chin-up moment. Yeah. yeah, and then they released 100 prints of it. So I've got that in my, uh, well, I'll call it man cave, but I'm not allowed to call it man cave. That, 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 that man cave's getting there to uh, rival Floyd Owens now. Oh, mate, that's the inspiration. That's the inspiration. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think it was only when we sort of edited the episode that we released with Floyd that um, I sort of remembered how uh, yeah how amazing it was. And actually, it was like a subconscious or subliminal inspiration. It's just looking apart, mate. It's like a Welsh Cultural Museum, your man cave. It's getting there, dude. It's getting there. You've got some catching up to do. You've got some catching up with Reese Moyne yet, though. That, that's the real museum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, those, 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 um, yeah, some of the posters he's got on his wall were fantastic, weren't they? Talking of, um, the experiences of the, the Euros in Wales, um, I'll give a shout out to Ryan March and the, the, the team who were behind, um, Alternative Wales. I think it was an idea that came to him during the Euros in 2016. Um, a, a wicked, fanzine talking about you know all things football all things wales things independence a real sort of uh, great digest of of like welsh culture um and they've they've, they've started a podcast as well have you guys uh, listened to that yet it's on my it's on my radar definitely i saw that uh it, they'd launched it and i just thought that's, that's fantastic ryan's a, a brilliant musician as well let us not forget and uh he's been in some fantastic bands like wasters uh yeah big thing uh over the years and make some cracking songs so they're a multi-talented fella obviously i listened to the trailer today and um always look out for tommy cows in uh videos always quite entertaining <laughs> So yeah, yeah, great guest today as well. Lucy Squire, head of music and sound at uh, University of South Wales, but most famously, I guess, at Catapult, the record store in Cardiff, that was a, a massive community of the electronic and and dance scene um, in in Cardiff uh, that was you know super popular and I guess like you know spawned um, you know human traffic was you know the inspiration for that in some ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely incredible shop, legendary shop, and much loved and well remembered by so many people. For like you say, mate, uh, you know it's pioneering dance music in in, in Cardiff with um, 
DJs and just people who were taking the first steps in the music industry as well, you know, and getting experience in all sorts of ways. So, you know, it was great to listen to Lucy reminiscing about how that came together and, and where it went ultimately, you know. I think it's the second person we spoke to who, you know, come from the other side of the bridge and, you know, have made a, a massive impact in, you know, Welsh music and culture. You know, John Rostrum was the first one. It's always it's fascinating to me, those uh, people who, who come to Wales for university or, or whatever reason for a job and just never leave because, uh, you know, the, the, the magnetism of the place and, you know, the people. Yeah, definitely. It underlines the creative community as well that, you know, they, they found kindred spirits and they found a, a, a creative scene and a dynamic bunch of people who were, you know, willing to get involved and, and create something special in the city and, and across Wales. Yeah, and Lucy chose a fantastic album. I won't spoil it at this point, but um, even though it's already in the title of the yeah, podcast episode, <laughs> but I'll let Lucy explain what the album is. Um, yeah, one of my favourites in the last few years. Um and probably the most modern record we've had going into the Welsh Music Hall of Fame. Is that right? Yeah, I think it is, actually. Yeah, yeah. there's nothing been post-2018, uh, wasn't it? It was released, wasn't it? September 2018, I think, yeah. around then. And yeah, can't wait for the follow-up as well. It'll be oh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going to be great. Cool. Well, uh, look, we'll, we'll hopefully increase the frequency of these podcasts because they're a little bit... Um, yeah, a little bit sporadic, aren't they, at the minute? But, you know, as things are getting back to normal, as you mentioned, the sun is out, feeling a lot more positive about the world, jabbed up to the max. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this, boys. Let's, Let's do, do this, do yeah. The Ockham Rando. So, Lucy, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to organise this um, for quite a while now since uh, since we had Helia Phoenix on the show who, uh, who recommended you. Um, and obviously, we've had a, a global pandemic uh, since, which has delayed some of the the opportunities that we've had to, to speak to you. But uh, thank you ever so much for for agreeing to to join us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. So when I asked um, Helia for some recommendations um, of, of who to bring onto the onto the show, she said, um, "Yeah, you have to speak to Lucy Squire." And I quote, "She's a fucking boss." She's one of the most driven, ambitious, straight-talking, wonderful people I've ever met. That's quite an accolade, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we're looking forward to this one. So um, take us back, Lucy. I think you're you're not the first, and, and I'm sure you won't be the last non-Welsh person to have made such an impact on, on Welsh music and culture that, that we've invited onto the show. Um, so I think you brought up in Western Supermare? Yeah, that's right, yeah. With the mods and rocker skirmishes giving you your first sort of experience in music, or, or did you have an elder sibling who... Uh, who let you into their um, record collection, like many of our other guests? Oh, well, I think without doubt, growing up in a seaside resort um, instills in you a sense of um, good times uh, and bank holidays being a, a well-recognised part of that. Um, I, I'm not really sure, not really no siblings, um, but just a, a vibrant youth culture and just just loved it, just, yeah, straight away. <laughs> And um, it was a love of um, classical music, I think, to start off. Did you um, tour Europe with a youth orchestra? I was in it. I was in a youth orchestra when I was younger. Yeah, and I think um, it wasn't so much. Uh, it was an appreciation of classical music, but I think uh, the joy and the benefit there is actually just doing something communally. So being in an orchestra, I wasn't terribly good. So I played the violin, um, but being part of a, a bigger sound um, is has got a, a wonderful feeling. Everybody, Lucy, has a sort of trigger point, don't they? Where a, a, a switch is flicked in their brain and music makes sense. Was uh, Glastonbury that pivotal moment for you? It seems to have played quite a big part in your life. Well, um, as I said, I'm a West Country girl, so Glastonbury was just down the road. Uh, and I first went there when I was 12, um, as did, you know, it was a big cultural thing uh, where I lived. And, yeah, it blew my mind. And it was the most exciting weekend of the year, firmly in the calendar, that we all look forward to. Can you remember the first act you saw there or a memorable performance or something that has sort of galvanised music in your brain? Well, for me, it's never really about the big headliners. Uh, what excites me is the little pockets of uh, music to discover. Um my main passion has always been electronic music. Um, so in and around Glastonbury, and to begin with, when I went there, it was a, still a CND festival. You could actually park your car next to the tent. Yeah. It was um, much more convenient in those days. 
Um, but at those times, there was a lot of um, just all night reggae blues tents, uh, and just the the joy of being able to hang out all night long and, and listen to reggae. And it was quite a different environment, really, um, because at that point it would have been all eighties music and Adam and the Ants and things like that in the charts. And then going to Glastonbury, I went with my best friend's family, um, and we would all just go and spend time in in the blues, and that was. Uh, started off my kind of love of all things bassy I think. <laughs> yeah so you mentioned the love of all things bassy and and, and electronic um obviously I guess that the uh, you you sort of grew up during a time when sort of dance and um acid house music was booming um what what uh what are your personal experiences of those scenes? Oh how long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> well I think maybe we started the um infamous Castle Morton free party. Yeah, I was really happy. Um one of the things that makes me feel happy about being the age that I am now, I mean no one likes being old, but I was really <laughs> pleased to have enjoyed my youth uh during those times. Uh you just couldn't have imagined the kind of adventures that we would have on weekends, being able to go to kind of free parties and free festivals. You never knew what was gonna happen. Uh, the music was just so exciting in the community and I can remember just feeling that there was there was nowhere else I'd rather be you know I wouldn't want to be in a million pound villa on the Caribbean you know I wanted to be in a field with my friends listening to music and that sense of connectivity with with nature and and the earth and all of those things sounds a bit hippie-ish but yeah it was pretty wonderful. Would you visit the uh, Hacienda one then? I did go to the Hacienda because I went to university in Sheffield um, and then I started to discover um, all the amazing things that are happening um, up north. And what's wonderful about being in a, in a city, a university city like Sheffield, is you've got so many surrounding cities. So the opportunities are endless and you go further north into, into Lancashire and Blackburn was a, a really happening place at that time. And uh, equally as exciting as, as Manchester. You know, Manchester is a, a big metropolis. The Hacienda is a, a very commercial venue. Um, you know, I always like to seek out, or oh, I did always like to seek out at those, at those times, the more kind of underground, less structured. I think that was one of the mm. real appeals was being able to get out of, uh, out of the mainstream. Did you get a sense of what you were experiencing at the time? Sometimes when you'd come home and, and read about it in the newspaper the next day, <laughs> uh, yeah, you were very aware um, that something was happening um, and it was a really big movement. People were really moving away from um, all things commercial and that was very freeing, I think. And I, as a young woman, you know, you weren't worrying about hair straightening and, and makeup and material things as much, you know, and, and the music was just so good uh you know it still is now and I, I i mentioned i was speaking to high contrast just this morning he's releasing a new album it's out on the 4th of december uh previous uh yeah previous feature in your show and um i asked him what you could expect from the new album and he said well i've tried to rewind myself in time to, um to be four or five years older so around my age and think about the type of music I would have been making in drum and bass and dance music if I was that age. Um, and that's what this new album was. So I was really ex- surprised and excited by that um, because it is a fantastic era, the golden era. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he seems to be doing a lot of, um, I guess I guess you could sort of say experimental in terms of like, you know, theming a lot of his, his albums and, and those sort of things. So that's an interesting take. You moved to Cardiff to do a PGCE, so a short hop over the bridge from where you were in in the southwest. Uh, what was your um, preconceptions of Cardiff from a from a musical city to the experience you actually had when you moved? Well, at that time, I was writing for ID magazine. I'd, I'd found that that was a good strategy for me to be able to move around the country and go to gigs and review things. You know, as a, as a young woman, to be able to go to venues um, on my own, really. So that's what I did as soon as I came to Cardiff, and I discovered a house music night called Ecuador in Metros, which I know is pretty infamous. Uh, <laughs> and I also discovered the Juice Joint in the Welsh Club. Uh, and I found them both to be yeah, pretty good places to start. Um, and I found uh, generally it was uh, you know very welcoming and an exciting place to be because I felt that there was a lot of opportunities. I experienced that there was a lot of opportunity um, and a kind of openness about it. Um, that made it very comfortable and pleasurable to stay. 
Um, remember <laughs> the earliest gigs you experienced in Cardiff? Again, it would have been it would have been clubs. It would have been all clubbing. So um, so yeah, you know, Ecuador Juice Joint. Some of the free parties that was happening. There was quite a, a rising free party uh, scene at that time with a, a collective called Freebase. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So so that um, you know, if I had the opportunity to to be outdoors. That's kind of where I'd be. Um, a bit later on, spent a lot of time uh, at the Emporium um, and did a fair bit of work with Tim Corrigan there, who was a massive advocate of his impact in, in Cardiff. Sure. Yeah, we have to get Tim on the show at some point. I keep, uh, <laughs> but I used to keep bumping into him, um, but obviously since the, the pandemic, I've, uh, I've lost uh, lost contact with him, but we'd have to, have to get him on as well. But he's, he's made a massive contribution, like you say. Absolutely. So it didn't take you long to set up uh, Catapult Records, uh, which is, I guess, the one of the key contributions you've made to, uh, to to Welsh music. What made you, you know, set that up, and how did it how did it happen? It was not just a, an organic lifestyle thing. Um, I think uh, I had graduated in law. Um, I wasn't really feeling very passionate about pursuing a, a legal career. I did get my solicitor's um, qualifications. Um, but I also just saw saw an opportunity. So I uh, had other friends that had record shops in other parts of the country, in Stafford and in Exeter, and people around me in Cardiff um, seemed to be having difficulty um, being able to access and get hold of vinyl. So I just started to get records from my other friend shops just as a service and used to just bring them down and sell them out of the boot of my car. Uh, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. So it kind of, it, I, I didn't take it. It kind of took me and I just put the hard work in. That's, that's the key bit. Though. I got out of bed in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it quickly gained uh, traction as well. We're in the Western Mail Welsh Small Business of the Year. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. And one of the things that really was pivotal um, for me as a young person was getting support from the Prince's Youth Business Trust in Wales. You know, I really recommend anybody who's starting a, a small business to, you know, work with these organisations that are there to support and nurture you because it really will help, excuse the pun, catapult you. Uh, I'm working in a uh, an industry that perhaps is a bit unconventional, was much more so then. Um, having the support and the endorsement from the Prince's Trust uh, on the Western Mail and all of those things was hugely, hugely helpful in, in how the business could progress. And Catapult Records became, um, it was much more of a, a, much more than a record shop, wasn't it? It was the sort of heart of the community, I guess. And can you talk about how you built up a sort of, almost a community, a collective, a family around the shop? Well, I always felt strongly, I mean, it's got to be about your values, your personal values and your business values. Um which, you know, if they are aligned in the right way, um, hopefully success is something that, that will follow, that will enable you to sustain. Um, I always felt really strongly that I didn't, that I wanted to support all of the promoters in Cardiff. I didn't want to just be working with one, you know, one particular, many other record shops kind of had a, quite often they were owned by, somebody that had uh, a label or their own night and that would alienate as many people as it would attract. So I just tried to be very, very open with that environment. And it's all about um, realising that your strength is in your team. So just that, you know, I had fantastic people that worked there. um, And that was one of the things I really nurtured. And if I didn't know about a particular genre I would I would get someone in just to work to do the buying the buying is the hardest thing in a record shop you've got to get your buying right you've got to know your cheese and onions as they say um and I just yeah make sure I had the right team um in front of customers basically it would give them that time um in those days you weren't able traditionally in record shops to listen to music or you know HMV or Virgin might have one turntable um, my big thing was I was going to fill the place with t- turntables for customers to come in and use. And, you know, I, I was a human algorithm. I know Phoenix talks about this, but that's what it was like in those days. You know, you would pick records and you would spend the time with people and they would be there for hours. So, you know, undoubtedly in and around that activity, you're going to get to know people and 
um, and I miss them greatly. You know, some some wonderful regular customers. That's the strength of Catapult was its regular customers. Yeah, that was exemplified beautifully in human traffic, wasn't it? With the uh, the famous, infamous, notorious, whatever you want to call it, uh, Cockney Jungle guy scene. <laughs> which um, can you tell me about human traffic and the shop's role in in the film? Yes, I can, but it's not going to be the answer that you expect. <laughs> and, uh, I, I know that you. Uh, this came up with Hellions as well. That wasn't actually Catapult. That was oh. in the, that was in the record shop Wush in the Castle Arcades. Oh, okay. The truth of it is, um, and it's something that I obviously kicked myself for many times over the years. But um, seeing as most people thought it was Catapult anyway, that was okay. Um, but if it would have been, I'd try to have had a bit more branding uh, branding in there, undoubtedly. Um, they did ask to film in Catapult, but we were such a busy shop. There was 10 of us, 10 of us working in the shop at that peak. Um, and it you know, used to be like a, a, a mad game of, um, a mad game of Twister. We'd be all crawling over each other, grabbing records, and this film crew wanted to come in at a, a really inconvenient time. Yeah. And uh, I, basically, I turned them back. We've talked about Lincoln and... Uh, high contrast and Helia, who who worked at the shop with you, who who else um, do you want to give a shout out to? Who people may have heard or may not have heard of who who worked there and were, you know, um, key contributors to to the success and and, and that community spirit that, that they've mentioned. Well, there's a fair few, and I think what I'm most it's one of the things I'm mostly proud of because the staff um, there wasn't a high turnover. You know, we liked it there and we stuck together. Um, you know, many of my staff worked there for periods in excess of ten years. Um, so there's DJ Cali, Ian Holliman, who is the hard style maestro of Wales. And, you know, it's wonderful to see how successful many of these individuals are going forward yeah. and still completely committed to their original passions. Uh, it used to make me laugh, people coming to the record shop sometimes saying, oh, I've given it all up. I'm going to give it all up. I'm, I'm going to grow up and get a proper job. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's not, it's not always the case, and, and there's no. alternatives. So, so Callie, uh, Richie V, who was um, had great success on Radio One Extra. Um, Stuart Grady, who was probably the longest, the longest member of staff who worked there. Um, all you know, kind of promoters in their own, own right. Uh, Josie Evans, who's um, married to Pablo and Orchard Entertainment. She was fantastic at the start. Um, Tyrone and Gary, who had, um, as uh, you testing my memory now, but they had their own, <laughs> their own house night as well. Um, Rafe Powell, who was right there at the start. Many people actually thought it was his, his shop to begin with. He was <laughs> such a, yeah, such a committed, a committed face there. Um, and yeah, I could, I could go on and on and on. Um, but those are probably the key, the key guys. Was there um, a members club uh, you were curating music for as well with Simon Thomas around that time? Um, not sure. Not sure. Well, we, we had our own, we had a record label. Simon was very pivotal, pivotal in that, where we just wanted to showcase Welsh dance music. Um, and I think that was another key community building aspect. Um, but as a members club, we've probably done things like that. We used to like to open the shop after hours. You know, you've got a retail shop. Um, and in those days, you know, retail really was nine to nine to five. Didn't really operate in the evenings or at the weekends. So, you know, we try and work different ways that we could use that space. So we'd have a DJ school, perhaps sometimes a members club that might come in late after hours. Um, and just, yeah, try and do as much activities that there was demand for as possible. And we had the energy to deliver. How difficult was it when the end came for Catapult in 2014, was it, on New Year's Eve? Yeah. What happened leading up to that and what ultimately led to Catapult closing its doors for the final time? Well, it's it's a day that really, really sticks in my my mind that day, obviously bringing New Year's Eve as well, you know. Um, Yeah. Many, many New Year's Eves in, in Catapult, and they were one of the busiest days of the year because people would be frantically getting tickets. You'd be trying to close the door, and they'd be putting money through the letterbox. Absolutely <laughs> 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 desperate. Or you might be, you know, driving around to people's houses with some last-minute tickets and 
uh, always a very, very big day. So, so from that point of view, but it was very poignant. But times change. Um, you need to progress. You need to progress. You know, personally, the the industry needs to pro- progress. I mean, basically, there was a you know huge disruption around um, physical music going to digital. Yeah. Huge dis- disruption around retail. Um, things really shifted in Cardiff when uh, the St David Centre was built. The, the, I was in the High Street Arcade and the Duke Street Arcade, which used to have phenomenal foot flow, but they pedestrianised it. Um, and that those spaces became really quite quiet compared to how they were before. So it was, you know, it was a struggle. It was, you know, a huge struggle. But we all need to move on, you know, as well. And and, and grow and develop and at the end of the day you get to a certain age as well you know I always knew that a record shop was more of a younger person's uh, my, you know my family would take the mickey out of me uh, as if I was still going to be you know, you know <laughs> like 65 or you know perish the thought but yeah you know so yeah. mixed feelings but the, the last few years are really really hard anybody who works in retail knows it's hard it's, it's really hard it's it's hard from a, a labour point of view and a, and a sustainable point of view. And that's yeah. So, yeah, mixed. Something that Catapult was was like known for was the in-store performances as well. And you had a lot of big names coming in and, you know, it was one of those record record stores that, um, like, I guess like Spillers as well, where, you know, it's, it's known outside of, um, outside of the city limits. Um, what, what, what's your most, one of your, some of your most memorable performances in store? Well, definitely the LTJ Bookham, because that was the first, yeah. first one. And I can remember making my own poster and putting it in the window. And it was like, here today, LTJ Bookham at 2 p.m. And it just felt really, really surreal. And I'd never done anything like that before. Um, and I can just remember looking out the window at the arcade, waiting for them to come down. And I was really anxious because, you know, this is an artist that attracts very large audiences. You know, how was I going to manage and control that? Um, you know, I was I was worried uh, and and excited really about how it was going to work, um, and then uh, and, and yeah, really quite nervous. And he came in and he went downstairs and, and started to play. And I just remember that because of the type of music that he produces and, and plays, it just presented a, a real kind of calm and a, a sprinkle of magic. Uh, and it was just yeah, really wonderful and quite still and. Very special afternoon. Was that when you booked him for Emporium with Tim, or was that a, another occasion? We had him a couple of times. So yeah, yeah. I, I used to try. I like to get things to join up. So if people are coming, let's get them in the shop. Yeah, let's do stuff. <laughs> if it makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you now work um, as part of a team at the University of South Wales in a, a role you love in the creative industry sector. Uh, talk us through your role there. Well, I started working there when I was uh, the last few years in Catapult just because I saw this qualification that was called a foundation degree in music entrepreneurialism. Bit of a mouthful. And I thought, what the hell is that? I didn't know you could go and like study these things. Um, And I became really fascinated um, in that subject. Uh, So I went to the university and met um, Professor Paul Carr, who was head of school at that time, and just started to give some guest lectures. And again, it was just an organic thing, really. Uh, it was quite a good fit. I wanted to get involved. I've always enjoyed working with young people. So in that sense, um, my, you know, my job has got many similarities to, to Catapult. So I'm working with a similar demographic. Um, not as much electronic music. I'm much more surrounded by bands, but I'm surrounded by a hugely talented uh, team of staff and, and students. It's been really inspiring time sure one of your students holly from adwaith is that right that's right yeah she's studying our ba popular and commercial music course um so she's in the third year now but she's already achieved so much in those three years it's been really exciting and i think you just released uh, a, a third iteration of the creative album sampler project and on a previous one adwaith featured in there can you tell us about um about that as a project and what other exciting artists have uh, are lined up for, for volume three uh, it's a great project. It's one of my favourite days of the year um, because uh, all of the staff, we listen to all of the entrants and have a big bum fight over who's going to go on. Uh, and each year it's just grown and grown and grown in in, um, in the standard and the quality as we've become more involved with the, 
process really of, of helping students get tracks kind of ready, um, ready for release. Um, and hopefully artists that are on those albums, you'll get to hear more of them going forward. So another example of someone who's been on there is, is a young man from Cornwall called Carlin. Um, he has now got himself uh, more of a brand. He's called Junior Mitty, and he's been picked up by BBC Introducing, um, as have Bloom, Club Fuzz. Uh, they're all, you know, very active in and around Cardiff and getting more attention as they have gone out uh, and left us and progressed in their careers. Um, it would be remiss of me not to mention um, we're recording this just a few days removed from the Welsh Music Prize. Um the list of nominees this year, I thought, was the strongest ever, to be honest. It, it, it never ceased to amaze me how strong the list is each year. It just seems to get better and better. What, what did you make of the list of nominees this year and the overall winner, uh, Care City by Dea? I thought it was a great result. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat because um, one of my colleagues, Matthew Evans, who is a senior lecturer running the MA songwriting course at USW, his band Keys, uh, their, band, their album was there. Um, and I just think that that is such a fantastic album. Um, I, I had no idea quite how, um, yeah, how good Keys were uh, yeah. until I immersed myself in it. So, yeah, I was really at, at the edge of my seat for that. Um, but, yeah, I think the outcome is exciting. I think it's a, a good time, a good time for Wales. Um, and... The fact that we've got a Welsh Music Prize and how much attention uh, it's, it's bringing to our music and how much support it, it provides for those winning artists going forward is just phenomenal. Thank you ever so much. That was a uh, yeah, fascinating uh, insight into into your life and, and, and the times around Catapult and that scene there. It's at this point in the show that we, we ask our guests to uh, to name their favourite album by a Welsh artist and then we, in, we induct it into the, the Welsh Music Hall of Fame. Who have you gone for today? I've gone for the band Adwise with their Welsh Music Prize award-winning album, Melon. Amazing! Oh, what a fantastic album! Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, when you when you let us know that you were you, you've chosen this album, I know we sort of uh, feign that surprise when we asked the question during during the episode. But um, yeah, I, I hadn't listened to it in a while um, since we did a listening party with them in in the middle of the lockdown. Um, Griff from Libertino, is, who's been you know, a, a supporter of the podcast and, and the things we're trying to do from the start. Um, he, you know, he helped us get hold of the girls and we did a listening party uh, on Twitter going through going through the album. So it's been a while since I listened to it and it's been on repeat since. It's just, a, just um, it's, it's, it's breathtaking in a way. It's just so sort of fresh. Um, and yeah, I just love the album. What? Um, when did you first hear of the band? Well, it's... Um... They made a, an instant impact with me when I saw them play live at the Welsh Music Mixer, which was a little event um, put together preceding the awards ceremony in yeah. 2018 in the Comedy Club. There were yeah. three bands that played, Adwife, HMS Morris and Buzzer Buzzer Buzzard. And, you know, all three of them have you know, really, really gone on to excel. Um, so each band played three tracks and Adwife... Uh, it was their performance of, of Red Lipstick. Yeah, Lipstick Hall. Yeah, that I, I videoed it. Uh, I put it up on my Facebook. I watched it over and over and over again. Yeah, the music's great, but they've got like a magic in the way that they perform. They're, you know, ordinary girls, but just absolutely an extraordinary trio, I think. Absolutely. I think Lipstick Hall is my favourite Adwise track altogether, but... Um... I prefer even listening to the album version than the single version because I, I find the intro tracks not just an amazing intro to the album, but it fits so well in segueing into um, Lipstick Court. You've got those crystalline sort of guitar lines. Uh, Gwentlian's bass is absolutely um, probably my favourite on the album, actually, bass line. Um, yeah, so, so what was it like live? Did, did it capture that essence, the the, the, the album version of the, the live uh, track? You know, you, you kind of stood up and took attention, you know, they commanded that stage. They've got a kind of confidence, um, a confidence and a swagger to them um, as well as a kind of softness. And I think that's the dynamics within within the groups, you, you know, and it just, uh, just, just translates very, very well. And you, you knew that they were going to be successful. And I'm glad it's not just me that enjoys them so much. 
uh, and that they've gone on to gain such such great acclaim. Yeah, I think it's my favourite song on the album as well. I just think, like, even just uh, the opening line, and I know it's about going on a date, you know, Vital Oxymoin Curve, what time do you want to meet? It's like, I think we we spoke about this before, I think in the Welsh Music Prize episode, that it's, it's a perfect sort of documentary of... Um, of young women's lives, a really fantastic opening track, opening line. Dave, when, when did you first hear Adwaith? You probably heard it earlier than all of us. Uh, my first um, introduction was, I think, from Ellis James and John Robbins' podcast. They were they were talking about um, some Welsh language music. I think it was to do with the Music Cymru. I started listening to a few of those ones. What about you, mate? I think it was uh, Griff at Libertino getting in touch. And um, again, you're, you're really struck by the fact that they're a very modern band, you know, presenting a modern image of Wales. And what I love about them is that they're the perfect advert, in a way, for young creativity from this country. You know, people outside of Wales tend to look at us sometimes as some kind of living museum, you know, with uh, choirs and mines and sheep and folk tradition and that sort of thing. And I love the fact that outwardly they're projecting this brilliantly creative, vibrant, dynamic image to the world. That makes me really excited. And obviously Griff at Libertino with his brilliant roster of bands, Adwife for the sort of flagship for me anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's great. When we were doing the um, the listening party, we had, we had Griff on as well. And, you know, I think he first saw them in, in their second gig in like Christmas 2015 in, in the um, Parrot in Carmarthen, the record store up there. Um, and he said, he's, first thing he saw, the future of Welsh music, it was like the velvet, that bluggy, and and the slits rolled into one. But what they didn't have in sort of that, in confidence at the time, you know, they, they had in, in the makeup of the, the songwriting. And I think, um, yeah, Gwen Clian's lyrics predominantly, the bass line driving it on. And I know they've had some support from from Pat from from that bluggy. What, what, what references can you, can you hear, Lucy, in, in, in the music of Adwaith? Well, I think it's I think it's really noteworthy to be talking about their um, highly skilled songwriting <laughs> because yeah. these songs are phenomenal both in structure and in lyrics. Um, yeah, I'm not a Welsh uh, a Welsh language speaker, as you can probably tell, um, but it's interesting speaking with with Holly, who's one of the students at USW, about how the music's translating really well when they're going on tour because people are listening quite deeply on a musical level. You know, the instrumentation is really sharp, um, but there's all these little grooves and, and melodies in there that, you know, pop out unexpectedly. Um, you can hear their folky roots. Uh, and they say that it, it took time for them to feel more and more comfortable really and to grow into that role of, of making noise. Um, Holly herself says that, they're very influenced from a, a riot girl perspective and they've gone from being quite folky to post-punky and you know i like that it's got a huge energy behind it um what, what do you make of the um production on the record um stefan pringle um i find has got a really sort of distinctive sound now from the estron's album to um your colleague matthew evans keys album with um bring me the head jerry garcia he seems to um have like capture a live sound with like slabs of loud guitar but also like as you said like it really captures the clarity between the instruments as well so it, it's like an amazing sort of live recording i know like the keys um some of their tracks are recorded in just one take which you know the production just seems to be amazing on, on these albums that uh, stefan's doing yeah great pioneer for welsh music uh for welsh music production you're seeing so much uh good music coming out from that camp at the moment uh, you've already all mentioned about about Griff. Uh, you know, Holly herself is just relentless in her appraise of how much support she's had from from Stefan and Griff uh, to get to this point. The whole band have had with Adwise. Um Yeah, that sound. The fact that the, that it's happening really fast and quick lends itself back to that kind of punky. Mm. Uh, punky production again you know uh, Melon was recorded in five days wasn't it yeah uh, and I just finished recording the second album there as well which uh, I'm excited about because there's apparently uh, experiments with um, 
different instruments from around the world taking place and uh, a much more mature sound, uh, hopefully one with, with more noise and, and more of this great production from Stefan. Yeah, I think if they're going to continue to document their lives and the, the, the experiences they have, I think they went over to Russia recently and like Canada or America as well. And, you know, all of those sort of experiences that, you know, they're, they're going to be able to, to draw upon. Neil, you mentioned the the, the single Lipset Koch and the differences between the version and the and the album version is another one as well Poisai as well which um you know was a was an early single and um when we're doing the listening party again I'm gonna keep harking back to that because um yeah there's lots of uh, lots of great sort of nuggets and insight in there but um yeah Stefan said he received it from Griff it was like just a phone recording or a demo and he just instantly fell in love with it um and then he said I had the finished part in my head. And, you know, it's it's really good that um, they, you know, they could put that song on, on the album because it showed that um, the journey from from the early days right through to the, you know, the finished finished album and, you know, the, the journey the guys have been on from, you said, that those early folk roots and, you know, I guess, um, you know, into that more sort of psychedelia or, um, you know, angular style that, that, that we get in some of the songs. What would be the, the standout track for you, Lucy? It's the same as yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was uh, talking about bass lines earlier, but it, it has um, encouraged me to listen to you know a lot more of their music as well, including some of their English songs. So, you know, Wine Time and, and Femme. Yeah. This band yeah. is prolific at songwriting. You know, they're not a one a one trick pony, um, and their videos are phenomenal, and they're yeah. phenomenal live as well. You know, what a great yeah. package. They played at our um, Immerse Festival last year um, and the dean from the university came and there was a moment where there was, you know, at least five senior executives in suits that I've never seen outside of the uh, more formal kind of uh, meeting room environment absolutely enjoying, you know, so much of Adlife in the little cocktail bar. Um, some of them had their daughters with them and it's just, just, they're just magical. And, you know, we're so pleased to have any connection with them and to see them, you know, go forth as uh, no doubt I'm sure they're going to go forth and forth and forth. You talk about uh, the prolific songwriter. I'm sure I saw something, and I think we may have touched upon this somewhere, that they were, um, or at least Gwen Clian was doing some sort of um, workshop on a, on, a, on a weekend with someone from HMS Morris, I believe. And I think they wrote a... Um, a song for for Wales football in the Euros in that afternoon, and that's what they want to do. But obviously, the Euros have been delayed by year to twenty twenty one. I think it'd be amazing if we saw a song by a female fronted band carrying the the Welsh men's football team uh, in the Euro twenty one and, and give that exposure to the masses. Well, without a doubt, they're capable of uh, writing an anthem. Absolutely, Wales. Absolutely, a nice new modern twist and performance, no doubt. Their, their, their surge seems to have been. I mean, it felt to me like they were obviously like an overnight success, really, uh, going back about 18 months ago. But obviously they go back to, um, I think it's about 2018, maybe, I think the first single points that came out. But already, as you say, getting the attention of really influential people like Pat from Dapluggy, um, James Dean Bradfield remixed um, Gartrev. And uh, it, I think it harks back to what you were saying. It's like that first time you see them, it's like, whoa, you know, th- these th- this band is special. I think I read somewhere that it's, uh, I mean, yeah, it clicks. It, it, de- it definitely has an instant click. Um, but they've got a good attitude as well. You know, they're, they're confident, but, they're, you know, they're humble at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read somewhere that the industry, they're not going to the industry. The industry are going to them. You know, that happens for some people. It's like mm-hmm. Paris charismatic is the x factor you know it's lincoln getting signed by hospital records bang you know from a demo tape in the basement of catapult it's just you know that's that's what the x factor is all about i think i I think it's amazing seeing um these bands really prosper on libertino as well you know because they seem like such a close-knit family whether it's um keys or kids smoke or los blancos um you know, they had four nominees on the Welsh Music Prize list. And it is brilliant just to see, you know, someone who's as hardworking as Griff sort of uh, mentoring these bands and really seeing the, you know, the progress they're making quickly as well. Absolutely. It's providing a vital structure for, for Welsh music and emerging Welsh music is just going to give it that vehicle um, to get more recognition and, and credibility. Um, and they seem to be loving every step of the way. It's a a really strong community and something to be celebrated. 
what is it in the water in Carmarthen? Because they've just like, you know, we've had so many amazing bands come from that area and, you know, you need the community. So you had um, Tangle Parrot, the record store and Parrot below it, now Kuru. So it was a hive and a centre of that community. Um, and then Griff with, with the label, you know, pushing things on like, you know, Griff and spotting talent and, and promoting it. Dave Carmarthen, you know, what's in the water, mate? Well, John Cale. John Cale. There you go. Did, did you see that video the other day where it was, um, I think it was Gwen Clean and Holly jamming with Aeros Childs and Griff? Oh, yeah. The definition of a supergroup here. Yeah, absolutely. Griff mentioned in the, on the listening party that, you know, Melon is creatively groundbreaking and will stand as one of the most important albums from Wales alongside the works of Gorky, Super Furries, Gweno. Now, they're big words, but, you know, Lucy, you chose this as your favourite Welsh album of all time is an important record and yeah definitely will will stand the test of time but like you said as well i'm really excited to to hear what they've got in album number two you could just imagine yeah that progression and the additional maturity um what we did ask them if um if melon obviously is, is welsh for yellow whether that become a theme and would it be colors um so it's glass or puffer or pink or whatever and they said it was something that you know yellow is a color of, of youth and uh vibrancy and it was a Welsh word that they felt that English people or English language speakers would be able to to, to say easily. I want to talk quickly about the artwork as well on, on the album. You know, it's a very stark, sort of striking uh, image. I thought that Gwen drew it. That's what, what Holly told me. It could kind of add to its personal feeling, really. It's, it's quite an intimate album, isn't it? And it's it's got a flow. It's a, it's a whole. Uh, and I think it will stand its down the test of time as well. It still sounds sounds better now than when I heard it originally. So, is there anything else you want to you want to cover, Lucy? Yeah, Holly Singer at the moment is um, working with with Griff and putting together a um, a Libertino stage for our immersed festival. We held it at the Tram Shed last year, and we had Richard Head, uh, Ashcroft headline. Yeah, uh, and we've had Pete Doherty before as well, so it's been quite a mixed bag, and it's gone very well for for the students putting on that festival. Uh, and this year, um, it's uh, Holly Singer's courses project to put on uh, immersed festival, which is you know really really helpful for that cohort, and they're working on a, a Libertino stage. So look out for that program coming soon, and that's going to be happening at the end of January. I'm sure that there's not not a it's not a challenge because of. Um... Yeah, I'm sure Holly's so um so, so sort of modest, but it must be hard for her her cohort to um, have someone on their course who's you know Welsh Music Prize winner and you know, that's their homework uh, bringing that in. It's yeah, you could think that, and I did think that until I became more involved with that cohort of students. But there's um, they're a really talented bunch. You know, there's uh, thirty plus students on there. Um, and I think they all drive each other forward. You know, I, I already mentioned there's bands like Bloom and, and Club Fuzz, and there's um, yeah, of course, yeah, plenty of plenty of other students. It probably inspires and encourages them because it is that DIY ethos, and you know, you you can do it, and here's how you know here's how how it works, and how I did it, and I think they all just encourage each other. Um, you have to be confident to be a performer, and you go into a a popular music degree uh, because that's you know that's that's your passion and um, there's yeah just some fantastically creative talented students on that course um, and hopefully our most festival will be a real showcase for us to be able to zoom in on that this year because with it all being online um, there'll be much more access and much more um, kind of close recording of those performances because uh, they're taking place at the moment. We're filming in Tramshed and Culture. Uh, so we're really excited to unleash that. We should be a bit different. Thank you so much, Lucy, for your time today. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a yeah, great chance to um, yeah to listen to uh, Ad White's uh, amazing debut album, uh, Melon, again, um, and, and to discuss it. Um, thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you. A special little treat to close this week uh, from the brainchild of John Malarski, a.k.a. Safari Art. Um, he came up with uh, the Corona Underground and Corona Stardust um, albums, which were tributes to the Velvet Underground and David Bowie. Um, he recently released uh, Corona Logic, uh, an amazing album um, of 29 tracks uh, celebrating the genius of Super Fury Animals. 
um, with, you know, absolutely superb uh, covers from a range of Welsh artists on there. The album is absolutely free to download and stream at uh, Bandcamp, uh, but please donate to Hlamai, um, which aims to um, end youth homelessness. Um, please donate what you can at slamai.org.uk forward slash donate and reference SFA. This one is Demons, which was the fourth and final single originally on uh, Superfury's second album, um, Radiator, back in 1997. And this is Adwaith with Demons. around to run. 